Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. We have to be able to speak in a clear, concise, credible and confident way in whatever manner that we communicate. If you're a writer and we've assigned you to do a story and we're going to send you out to do that story, it's those soft skills that are going to get you the appointment with that person to do the story. It's your personality, it's your character, it's your honesty. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? Long-form content establishes authority. So as a creative person, if you really want to attract more people, you need to let them kind of test drive you. When I say attraction rather than promotion, I was I choose to work hard to do well at my craft. I choose to work hard at building good relationships. I do believe that the biggest part of the sales process is relationship building. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is your co-host, Fred Keating. This is yet another in our series of themed episodes where we talk to several people on the same topic. We had such great feedback on our previous episode about advice given by some of the presenters at the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers Convention that we grabbed some more segments from some of the champions of inspirational speaking and coaching for your listening pleasure. So we're, we're calling this episode CAPS 2. You know, Fred, we've often commented on the fact that although we've interviewed people from probably over a hundred different creative arts backgrounds, often the messages or suggestions for success that they share with our listeners are remarkably similar. You're right, Marv. And let's face it. It's a given that you must be exceptionally technically proficient in your own particular art form or activity, or you likely won't be working a lot in that field anyway. But our interviewees often stress that it's the soft or people skills that artists need to cultivate and the teams you build around yourself that can push you ahead of the competition in your own particular field. And that's why this week's theme is based around the concept that you need others to help you become and remain successful. But systems, practices, and approaches need to be in place for that to happen. One of the real champions of the business coaching world is Patricia Fripp who, in addition to training senior execs around the world in person, also has a comprehensive video series that can be accessed online to help others acquire the confidence and competence of speaking in both business and social situations. When I spoke to Patricia at the recent annual convention of Canadian professional speakers where pros from all over the world gathered to trade information and techniques, I asked her about ice-breaking strategies, and she had some pretty interesting suggestions. And are you going to share some of that conversation with us? Absolutely. Here we go. Now, Patricia, knowing what you know about our audience, who are mostly millennials who are looking for ways to earn a living with their creative talents, what advice would you like to pass along to them from your life experience? All right, good. Well, the very fact that our younger entrepreneurs and artists, they communicate so much more in text and online that they lose the power of the spoken word. They are often awkward in social situations. 
And you might be listening and think, oh, that's not me. Well, good for you. We have to be able to speak in a clear, concise, credible and confident way in whatever manner that we communicate. Well, let's talk about branding. What are your thoughts on branding as individuals? How can creative people stand out from the crowd? Because it is very competitive. So, for example, if you are in person at an event, some sort of networking event, one, if you're coming from work or somewhere else, you want to come looking clean, crisp and concise. So, for example, let's just say you work in a casual environment. It might be at home, but let's say you work in an office and and jeans and t-shirts you're going to take a change of clothes to go out even if it's still a casual environment it's not going to be jeans it's going to be slacks maybe an open shirt but you're going to look better and now most of our listeners say oh i'd never do that but in san francisco and national speaker association i'm well known for my hats i happen to like hats i look good with hats i have a great collection of hats but when you wear a hat people who would not initiate conversations with anyone else will talk to you oh great hat my mother used to wear hats oh i wish i had the confidence to wear a hat and then you say yes and you know the good part is nice people like you talk to me hi i'm patricia who are you so it's what is it that you wear or you do that is distinctive that if people wouldn't know what to say they'd say oh i like your shirt oh well oh a long time since i seen a man with a bow tie or oh a carnation in your lapel wow that's been a while have you come from a wedding you know whatever but you make it easy for people to start conversation and one technique that we teach our audiences that we do naturally we do, this is just what we do we never thought it was a technique but we realize most people don't do this and it's what i would call travel with your own pr agent so you walk in with a friend it can be someone in your industry or another industry so for example what susan and i do and you have to adapt this to your own situation but we'd walk into an event, separate, come together, separate, come together. And if Susan is talking to you and I would walk up, she might say, oh, Fred, John, Susie, may I introduce you to my friend Patricia Fripp? She truly is one of the best speakers and speech coaches in the country. In fact, Kipling and Personal Finance magazine said the sixth best way you invest in yourself is to learn presentation skills from Patricia. And I'll say... And I bet Susan's far too modest to tell you she's the best-selling author of seven books. She's been on the front cover of USA Today and the Wall Street Journal. So you see, what we are saying about each other is what you would not say about yourself in polite conversation. One of my good friends took me to Skywalker Ranch, which, of course, George Lucas. We got invited to the, the friends and family because his college roommate works in the accounting department there. And whenever they have anything to do with that they've done, something to do with the movie, they have a screening, this most luxurious screening room. But we're sitting there having pizza before we go in. So you see that guy over there and you look at this little funny little guy in jeans and T-shirt. He has won more Oscars for sound than anyone else in the industry. See that guy over there? He won the Oscar last year. And, and I mean, these just you wouldn't know who they were just by looking at them. Well, Fred, what do you think? I think my plan is to buy a hat ask you to be my wingman at these industry events and sneak into Skywalker Ranch to see what's playing in George Lucas's private theater. Good luck with that. All of that. 
We also spoke to Peter Legg, one of the true Olympians of professional speaking worldwide. He picked right up on our theme that no one of us is as smart as all of us, and that those artists that get ahead in the game are often those who have other people looking out for their best interests. If you're a writer, we've assigned you to do a story, and we're going to send you out to do that story. It's those soft skills that are going to get you the appointment with that person to do the story. It's your personality, it's your character, it's your honesty. They want to trust that whatever they tell you, you're going to do exactly what you say you're going to do. So those soft skills are almost as important as your gifted skills. So you may actually sit down with a, a writer and do an interview with that person, look at the writing samples and go, wow, this really blows my mind. This person is a fantastic writer. But through the course of the interview, your spidey sense is tingling and you, you're getting the impression that maybe the integrity isn't there, may, maybe the trust isn't there, maybe they can't follow through, maybe, they, maybe they'd be offending people that you're sending them out to interview. Oh, absolutely. You, as an individual, are on an assignment representing my company. And so you need to represent what I stand for in the marketplace, which is, as we've said, honesty, integrity, reliability, character, those kinds of traits. Because if you're going to walk to the door and say, well, I'm representing Peter Legg's company, they already know about me. They already know what I stand for. And if you don't represent that, they're probably not going to give you an interview. They're probably not going to give you the time of day. Whether you're selling an advertising campaign, whether you're selling an online program, whether you're selling them as a client to maybe do their publication, or whether you're just trying to do a story, whatever it is, you have to, you have, to have those soft skills. Recently, there's been a kind of pushback on internships, that is, un, unpaid internships, where it's felt that if uh, an intern is doing something that a paid employee would be doing inside the company that they ought to be paid as well, as opposed to the free tuition of learning inside such a company. And I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. Let me answer it this way. Last year, I interviewed David Foster. He was getting a big award in Victoria because he was born in Victoria. Earlier that afternoon, he went to the University of Victoria to lecture the music students. Now, there's only about 100 music students, but there were 350 people in the room because I think they wanted to get a close to David Foster. And his presentation was about 90 minutes, and he had a little piano in front of him. And at the end of his presentation, there was this very attractive young woman in the front seat, got up, and she said, I wish you could have heard my sister play the piano and sing. So David shot back and said, well, why? because had you heard her sing and play the piano, you might have recorded her and she could have been a big star. So David said, okay, where does your sister live? This is in Victoria, BC. She said, she lives in Toronto. How long have you known I was gonna be here? She said, six days ago. Then you should have flown her out from Toronto last night on a $199 ticket red eye, had her sit in the front row and ask me that very question. I would then have had her come up to the piano and play and sing, and if she's as good as you say she is, maybe I would have recorded her. So either she needs a new sister or a new manager, because in this business, you've got to sacrifice. So if you're not working Saturdays and Sundays, somebody's working Saturdays and Sundays. So whether it's the speaking business or the book business or whatever I do, it takes a lot of commitment and a lot of sacrifice. I've been in the business 42 years, both the speaking business and the, the publishing business. I am sacrificing today a little differently, but I am sacrificing today. We are doing this interview on a Sunday. 
Sunday afternoon in Edmonton at 11.15. It takes discipline and sacrifice to keep moving ahead and keep doing what you're doing. I thought that was a great lesson. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Be the very best you can be at whatever it is you do. Don't worry about being the best in the world. Just be the very best you can be. I think Zig Ziglar said this line, and I'm going to give him credit for it, even if he didn't, but I know he said it. Every single person are all born with the seeds of greatness. You have to discover what those seeds are. You have to manifest them in your life and become great at what you do. That's your mission in life, because it's a short life. Well said. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Seeds of greatness. Find them, feed them, and go, go, go. When you say go, 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 I think of our conversation with Michelle Cedarberg, who, after all, began her career as a kinesiologist and health and fitness consultant slash coach. In our chat, we covered her approach to self-motivation, health tips when suffering from tension, and other helpful pieces of advice. Well, I definitely started small. I was in uh, grad school for kinesiology, and my very first paid presentation was a $45 gig to talk about core stability. <laughs> and I had been doing some presenting and teaching and all that beforehand, but I realized I loved the line of work, and so I just kept chipping away and finding opportunities to get in front of audiences. I'm an aerobics instructor, I, I do that. I was teaching at the college in Calgary, doing anything that I could do to get in front of the audience and polish my craft. When I started to put myself out there, for me, the authentic element was attraction rather than promotion. I'm not very good at standing on a soapbox and saying, look at me, look at me, and having everybody come to my uh, Facebook and sign up for things. I'm not very good at blatant self-promotion. Some people are very good at it. It's, it's not, it's, it's, I'm not comfortable with that. And so what I, when I say attraction rather than promotion, I was... I choose to work hard to do well at my craft. I choose to work hard at building good relationships. I do believe that the biggest part of the sales process is relationship building. Getting to know who your client is and getting to know what their needs are and, and listening more and not coming in with a fix when you don't have the full picture, but also not coming in with the hard sell unless you've got a good reason to or that you've built some sort of a rapport over time. I say get good and then be authentic, be yourself, because that will draw people into your, into your circle. I think the hardest step is establishing that relationship, being where the person or organization is that you would like to become more familiar with. Once that big step, I think, is taken, the nurturing and sustaining of the relationship is much, much easier. Yes, and, and I think the hardest thing with anything that we're taking on is to get going. One of the things I say in another of my presentation, it's not the doing that's tough, it's getting to it. And once we kick into gear, that momentum keeps us going. But if we stand there and we look at the possibilities and we don't do anything, if we don't take action, then we're not going to get anywhere. Now, Michelle, you, you kind of touched on this, but I wanted to get tactical with you here for a moment because people who work in the creative industries really work in high-stress jobs, long hours. They're working on a film and television crew. There may be photographers working long days. You know how this works, right? So I know that you're a health expert. What are some of your top tips for people to maintain their health when they're working in this kind of gig situation? Yeah, and that is a fantastic question because when we get busy, 
the first three things that we drop off of our to-do list are exercise, eating right, and getting enough sleep. And we say to ourselves, imagine how much stuff I'll get done if I skip the workout or I'll pack a healthy snacks or you know, can't, can't grab lunch on the go, I'll, I'll buy a healthy lunch, and we don't do it. So the top three resilience practices that we need to push back against the stress of the day are the first three that we drop as soon as the going gets tough. I think the first thing that we need to do is remind ourselves that physical fitness, physical health is essential for creativity. I've just started speaking on this so much more because it's so vital. Stress and creativity can't coexist. If you are tired, if your brain is full, if you're fatigued because you haven't been eating well, your creative mind is going to be me. It doesn't work as well. I'm sure you can agree with that. And so I will say to anybody, your goal for physical movement is to consistently do more than what is normal for you. And with exercise, we really have to get over this idea, go big or go home. We think about the fittest we've ever been. We think about you know, what we did when we had the most time and we were awesome. And then life gets busy. And you're standing around for five minutes thinking to yourself, what the heck good's five minutes going to do? And I say five minutes of doing is better than the hour that you were thinking about doing, right? So any amount of movement that we get above what's normal, jump on the spot, do jumping jacks, drop and give me 20 push-ups, walk around the perimeter of whatever space you're in, stand up when you're making phone calls, use the stairs instead of the elevator. I could go on and on and on, but we have to just move more. I love that bit about five minutes of doing it is better than an hour of thinking about it. You know, Fred, we've heard from some of our more successful guests that certain levels of success bring with them their own additional challenges. Hugh Culver is one of those entrepreneurs who, through his blogs, books, and personal appearances, had gotten himself into a position where it's very clear he couldn't keep up with the influx of work obligations and correspondence that his success was bringing. He needed help. He needed to delegate. But how to start? Well, he shared a few pointers on delegation of duties and responsibility to a team, as well as the importance of having a system in place to ensure success. Let's listen to Hugh Culver. What a lot of entrepreneurs want to do is get stuff off their plate. So we call them $10 an hour jobs. So they're doing $10 an hour jobs and they're frustrated. They're probably not particularly good at them. So they decide to outsource. But then when they go to outsource, what they think of either is, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a person to do it one time, which is usually a disaster because then there's no learning curve and it doesn't improve. Or I'm going to hire a virtual assistant or a full-time staff. So in both cases, what the entrepreneur has missed out of is creating a system so that that person could be successful. So it could be your bookkeeping. That's an easy example. But it could be something more complex, like nowadays, something online to do with social media, something to do with blogging, something to do with a customer service. And so... What I realized was that if I could figure out the system, then I could probably figure out how to grow the business. And in fact, that's happened a number of times, hasn't it? Exactly. When I started to build my speaking business, very early on, I decided to get other people to help me out. So other people to run my office, but also other people to do the training. So I could grow really quickly. And so suddenly we moved into larger contracts because I didn't have to actually be the person in front of the audience all the time. And then more recently, as I started to help bloggers around the world getting traffic, right away I wanted to grow a team. So again, systems became really important. Let's take a step back and talk about why the blogging works. You know, right now we're in a very cluttered communication space. People are inundated with too much information and what a blog does 
and it's it's kind of unique in in it just as podcasting is but what a blog does is it provides a permanent record of your authority and so it helps you to stand out from the clutter so i refer to it as long form content where social media updates are great for pointing something out for for being social for directing people or just having fun but that's short form, long form content establishes authority. So as a creative person, if you really want to attract more people, you need to let them kind of test drive you. A lot of entrepreneurs, they have amazing skill sets. They have amazing knowledge. Perhaps, you know, they got a, an amazing resume of life experiences. But the reality is the audience is going to give you about seven minutes. And if you have not developed the trust with them in the first seven minutes, if you have not got them leaning in, it's an uphill battle to win them over. And so I've seen brilliant economists, I've seen amazing athletes, I've seen amazing adventurers bomb on stage because they just don't understand that it's not just about their stories and their experience. There's actually an art to being on stage. There's an art to grabbing a hold of that audience. And this is not about motivational talking. I'm not talking about being an amazing motivator or dancing around the stage, but there's an art to getting the audience to lean in. And the number one thing you've got to do is you've got to address what's already in their mind. You have to talk about what's already on their mind. And that's usually a problem. So in the first seven minutes, you have to tell them through your stories or through your, your opening that you have to tell them you know what their problem is. And if you do that, they're going to want to know the solution. So blogs and podcasts are a permanent record of your authority, eh? That's what the man said. If you don't believe it, just listen to some of the 100 plus episodes we have online at the moment. I do. I will and I do. Hugh Culver has all sorts of publications to assist you in a variety of entrepreneurial adventures. Google him for more information on how his expertise could help you sustain your energy. Hugh is spelled H-U-G-H, and Culver is spelled C-U-L-V-E-R. That's all the time we have for this week. Please join us next week for our next themed episode. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity. <laughs>